0: This episode of the Columbia Basin Herald's Studio Basin Podcast is brought to you by the Moses Lake Chamber of Commerce. The chamber works to help businesses in and around Moses Lake flourish through networking opportunities, member-to-member savings for products and services, and connecting businesses with the resources they need to make Moses Lake a wonderful place to live, work, and play. For more information, visit moseslake.com, that's moseslake.com, or call the chamber at 509-765-765. 7888. Again, that's 509-765-7888. Well, hello there. It is Friday. I am Charles <coughs> Featherstone, senior reporter with the Columbia Basin Herald, and I am joined this week by in Vivona, our sports reporter, Joel Martin, paginator and reporter extraordinaire. And joining us this week is Mallory Tidball. She's the multimedia marketing consultant with... Woo with the Columbia Basin Herald here. Before we get started on this week's news, Mallory, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you keep us in business.
1: Well, um, I just started here in May, and as of right now, I am just helping local businesses advertise and get their market to expand at a local level. And um, if you need anything, you can always email me. My email is mtidball, no. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Tidball. (laughs) You don't email yourself (laughs) very often. No, I don't. Um, mtidball at columbiabasinherald.com. So I can help at a local level. We can market, we can do um, anything in the paper, which is Monday through Friday. And then I can also help digitally um, on our website or anything like addressable, uh, addressable geofencing. So. We can talk more about
0: that. Okay. Yeah. Give Mallory that a call. fascinating. Yeah. No, we should talk about addressable geofencing, but probably not today. All right. So this week, we had quite the week in the Columbia Basin. A big thing happened at the Grand Canyon International Airport on Tuesday. Israeli company Aviation. Finally did a test flight of their Alice all-electric aircraft. It was a big item worldwide, and there was as large a press contingent there as I have ever seen in Moses Lake. So it was quite the day. The Alice is an interesting little project. Uh, the, port, the, com- the, the company unveiled the airplane at the Paris Air Show in 2019 and then inked the deal with Aerotech to do testing and certification on it. So they've been working on this for quite some time. This is big. This is. This is really big. This is. Um, it is one of several electric aircraft projects that um, Aerotech is working on. They are also working on um, converting another Cessna caravan, or several Cessna caravans, or beginning a line of conversion of Cessna caravans. They are small passenger aircraft, about, what, 18 passengers, I think? They are also cargo aircraft. and. Um, converting them to um, electric, and then they are also working on some d- electric hybrid aircraft as well. Um, the company they are working for is Magni-X, and I would really love to get a sit down with Magni-X and its people to talk about their electric motors, but they are the leaders in electric aircraft motors right now. And, hmm. um, it was just as big a contingent as I have ever seen. E- e- Aviation's is an interesting company. It was started by two Israelis, the current CEO is Canadian and then they have just a host of engineers who are from just about everywhere you can imagine in Asia. So it's one of those truly international companies. The goal of electric aviation is to, is to make commuter aviation at places like Moses Lake much more affordable and even possible anymore. Apparently, the economics is such as that the smallest airplane you can get away with is about 100 passengers. Mm-hmm. And after, below that, it's not really profitable to run a passenger airline anymore. We did ha- have,
2: um, for some years, we did have passenger air service in and out of Moses Lake. I mean, we've got this beautiful airport we for do. it. <clears throat> and um, and I was looking at your article about this, these electric planes, and we had service for a while to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that fizzled because I, I think there was a subsidy or something that they were able to keep going at a loss because they made it up somewhere else. And then briefly we had an airline that would that had runs to Boise or Portland from here. Okay. Not Seattle, I'm not sure why. And um, according to your article, that would be within range of a single flight from all of those from here, mm-hmm. one of these electric planes.
0: Well, a- as has been told me before, um, that nobody can justify a 100-passenger or even necessarily a 50-passenger airplane making regular stops in Moses Lake. But a 20- but a or a 10-passenger airplane, that would be doable. And if you could get the economics down to it, whereas the... You know that would make somebody money. Mm -hmm. Then, then a place like Moses Lake, it suddenly becomes viable. And given that our electricity is much less expensive Mm -hmm. here and more
2: plentiful than a lot of other places, so we are well well suited to a
1: a vehicle like that. Makes me wonder. I like I read in the article that they only their flight was only eight minutes. Mm -hmm. So is that going to be? How do you fly to Seattle or? Know, I don't well,
0: know. the the test flight is together was to gather data. So they're going to crunch through the data over the next several weeks, make some tweaks to the aircraft, changes that they need, and then they will do a second test flight. So but they've got a lot of data to go through because the way it works out. It <laughs> I've been in the inside of AeroTech, and they have a couple of rooms that just look like Mission Control in Houston. You know, <laughs> they, they when they were testing the um, the MRJ and the space jet for Mitsubishi, everything basically had a sensor attached to it, and and that delivered data to these to these rooms of guys, that c- young men and women, men and women at computers who were <laughs> looking at data and analyzing it and so my guess is that they have probably done something very similar with the Alice cuz the FAA probably requires that sort of thing and now they will go through that data and analyze it and make changes and then do another then do another test flight and it will get progressively longer and maybe they, maybe they'll be
2: able to take a reporter
0: on a ride along for you. You know that would be nice. But <laughs> I don't think that's gonna probably not. be? Me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: probably Some reporter not. I can pretend it. to be a reporter for that day. <laughs> <take. laughs> Yeah,
0: probably not going to happen anytime soon. So
1: makes me think that, like, possibly for just electric planes in general to be for more of the audience of um, like private jets.
0: Yes, and I think that that could is is obviously a market that they are targeting. The Alice is not a very big aircraft, so it would make the perfect small, and I say small, sort of entry level um, (laughs) executive (laughs) jet. Not jet, obviously. Well, executive craft. That's it. You know, if you're the CEO of not a Fortune 500 company, although maybe a Fortune 500 company would have one too. But I mean, you're you're not you're not going from Seattle to Washington to lobby Congress or Seattle to New York to make a deal or something like that. You're you know. You're flying more or less in your own area. You're flying more or or less in your own area. It would be it would be good for something like that. So
1: it's pretty cool. Yeah, especially with the whole you know Tesla. Innovations happening. We've
0: we've got a lot of cutting edge research and development going on here. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, the upcoming issue of the Grant Candy Magazine will feature a story on Silicon. Of which, shameless shameless Harold plug. Shameless Harold plug. Of <laughs> which, because of battery development, the aviation project and other electrified aircraft projects are kind of on the uh, are kind of on the user end of that. So. Yes, um, cool. be, keep your eyes open for the Grand Canyon Magazine this fall, and you'll see that. Anything else we want to talk about that happened this week? Uh,
1: the logos for schools. That's right. We got
0: new logos for our two middle schools. Um, they look good. They do look good. They do look good. Um, the Frontier Middle School Spartans and the Columbia Middle School Red Eagles, and they did uh, some nice work on that. The, the Spartans. You know, I'm not sure what kind of heritage we're talking about with the Spartans here, but the, the <laughs> red eagle—you y- see enough—you see enough raptors out there mm-hmm. hunting things and swooping. So I've taken a few pictures of, of those <laughs> birds myself. So
2: I am not a, a bird person. certainly out not very knowledgeable about it. Is there such a thing as a red eagle?
0: I have no idea. I'm you know <laughs> that
1: would be interesting to find out. <laughs> I know there are red hawks. <laughs> I, I would have looked that up
0: before we came in here. If we, I yes, somebody it. should have. Yes, uh, we are derelict in our research on that.
1: And I wonder where they're from. <laughs> if, if they are even in Moses <laughs> <laughs> or the Columbia
2: Basin. But the, and uh, there's been a lot of of talk back and forth over the name changes, and I know a lot of people are unhappy with having to do it. But I have mm-hmm. to say, um, well done to our school district for making the changes quickly and without a whole lot of fuss. And with and, a and fair and they've done it well.
0: And and with a fair amount of student input. It looks mm-hmm.
1: like. Yeah. Yes. Student parents, and I think, um, I think someone else was also involved. Yeah in that, which I think is cool to be able to you know, involve the students to have their input. Yeah. The kids were it. going
2: to be called Red Eagles or Spartans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the first classes to be those, it's good that they got to help choose it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't
1: want an embarrassing mascot, so. Oh,
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> My high school had one that was perpetually being made fun of, and I'm not Uh-oh. even going to go there.
1: <laughs> yes, don't want that. <laughs>
0: The next segment of the Studio Basin podcast is brought to you by the readers of the Columbia Basin Herald. The paper serves the entirety of Grant and Adams counties in central and eastern Washington, which has strong traditions in agriculture, industry, and taking care of one another. The Columbia Basin Herald is grateful to our readers for their support and to our advertisers who support our efforts to keep the communities we serve informed. Well, now it's time for that part of
3: the podcast where we hand it over to Ian and we talk about sports. (laughs) My favorite part of the week. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So we got some exciting news for the Mariners. Their magic number is down to one, Mm -hmm. which basically means if they win tonight or if Baltimore loses, they're in the playoffs. Got it. And their 21-year-old drought, the longest drought in the four major American sports, will be over (laughs) as long as they can win one more game or Baltimore loses. So that's pretty exciting for all the Mariners fans around here. And it brings some excitement back after kind of a a really down week, and or, or weaker or last two weeks, where they had these uh, road trips, and they went three and seven on the road against teams that I mean they had the the teams they were facing. They had the lowest winning percentage, mm-hmm. combined winning percentage over uh, the MLB. So they returned home. They won their first series since uh, when they played Atlanta on September 9th through September eleventh. They defeated the Texas Rangers ten to nine last night. For that series win. And that was a pretty exciting game. Uh JP Crawford hit an RB, a walk-off RBI single for the 10-9 win in el- the 11th inning. Uh so that was a nice win for them, get back on track. And of course, now they're going to start another series tonight against Oakland. Hopefully they can get that last win and uh clinch that playoff spot. Right now they're they have the American League second wild card. Uh they're a game and a half back of Tampa Bay or Toronto, sorry. Um for that first wild card, it's basically right now they'll be playing on the road, if that stands true, okay. throughout the rest of the season. And then some injury news. Uh, looks like Julio Rodriguez could be activated as soon as Monday. Okay, That, uh, that from, would be good. Yes, from his stint on the injured list, he had that lower back strain. And he's a guy that obviously he brings a ton of excitement to the he franchise. Yeah. He's does. Yeah. <laughs> he's, just, he's so fun to watch, you know.
1: Got to go see him the weekend before... Um was the twenty sixth mm-hmm. of August? Yeah, that was an awesome game.
3: <laughs> it was the Ichiro. Um, oh, when they uh, put him in like the team Hall of Fame yep. or Ring of Honor or whatever they call yep. it there. It was that
1: night. Yeah,
3: that was a good game. It was really good game. <laughs> and then moving on to the Seahawks, going from one high point and uh, Seattle Pro Sports going down to a bit of a low point. <laughs> uh, they had a twenty seven to three loss to Atlanta uh, on Sunday. Um, bit of a bright spot. They did rush for over 100 yards for the first time this year. Uh, They had 112 on the day. And then on run defense, it was a bit of a struggle again. Mm -hmm. A week after allowing 189 rush yards to the San Francisco 49ers. Last week, they allowed 179 yards to Atlanta this week. uh, Falcons running back, Cordero Patterson was kind of running all over them in the second half, especially Um, going into the game. It looked like their game plan was really to stop the run in the first half. But that opened uh, pass the pass game for Atlanta quarterback Marcus Mariota. And then in the second half, they go to more play the pass, and that opened up running lanes for Cordero Patterson. Um, so they had a chance late in the game. Uh, Geno Smith, who completed 32 of 44 passes for 325 yards and two touchdowns, he threw a pick on kind of a desperation throw late in the fourth quarter under uh, inside the two-minute warning um, on fourth and 18. So he was just kind of hucking it up. Uh intended for Tyler Lockett, but then the Atlanta Defender picked it off, and that kind of sealed the win. Uh, it's a been unfortunate for them because they had just forced a fumble of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So they had a bit of a moment bit of momentum, but they just couldn't get it done um, out there in Seattle. So up next for them, they're traveling to Detroit this weekend. and uh, Ooh, that, the Lions. Yeah, that game's gonna kick off at ten am. The Lions, you know, a lot of excitement around the Lions, but they have a bit of they have a couple injuries. Uh they're kind of star receiver. Um, Ross Saint Brown has been ruled out and Devon J Swift is kind of trending toward he could be out as well. So those are two big names for the Lions and something to really watch for see if uh, the Seahawks can take advantage of that. And then so moving into local sports. Um, last week uh, on the gridiron, Moses Lake had a really exciting overtime win Woo-hoo. yeah <laughs> against uh, awesome. yeah against Central Valley. Those are awesome football games when they go into extra <laughs> 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 overtime. Yes, yes, yes. 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 I, I am as not as I am. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah, it was real. It was really exciting. Um, Moses Lake, like they kind of they rallied together. They had mm-hmm. an injury at the quarterback position, but they were able to rally together and go into overtime. And uh, their kicker, Iden Bone, he hit a forty-one yard field goal. Wow which I mean for a high schooler that's really impressive especially with the pressure of overtime mm-hmm. I was talking to him after the game he was just like yeah I'm just excited my coach was confident enough in me uh, to send me out there for that kick um, and then they were able to shut down the Central Valley kind of ground game on their uh, chance in overtime and they missed their field goal which gave Moses like the win and then uh, a couple other games that we, were, that we had coverage of last week Quincy got their second win of the year which is a Year after going 0 and nine last year, mm-hmm. and then 0 and four the year before, so they I deserve did, it now. Definitely, yeah. And I know I was talking with their coach uh, Russ Elliott, and he's really kind of changing the culture around there. When we did our Gridiron Guide uh, earlier this month and uh, before the football season started, he really put an emphasis on kind of changing the culture into a winning mentality. And I mean, they're two and two on the year right now. They got a really tough matchup this uh, tonight though, going over to Cascade. Um, but, I mean, we'll see if they can get it done, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a bit of excitement around the Quincy football program, which I don't know if Good you could them. say that in the past, uh, the past couple of years. And then Royal, they had their 36-game win streak snapped on Saturday. Oh. I hope I didn't jinx them by talking about that <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah, so we record the podcast on Friday. Joel's talking up Royal a lot, and then they lose. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, they lost 21 to 14 to Lyndon Christian. Okay. Lyndon Christian just had a really dominant ground game. Uh, I don't know how tall their running back was, but he looked like he was eight feet tall and just <laughs> huge. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Lyndon Christian, their quarterback, scored three rushing touchdowns. Um, and then one inside the last minute that really kind of sealed the deal for them. Uh, But it was a really good back-and-forth game. Uh, Royal returned a kickoff or a touchdown uh, answering in the first quarter, Um, but unfortunately they just couldn't get it done, and that's quite a streak that got snapped. Uh, I believe their last loss was in one of the state title games, so they had won each game up until last Saturday. So some other scores from around the basin last week ACH defeated Cusick 64 uh, to 30 Efreda lost to East Valley 29 to 28 Lynn Ritzville defeated Davenport 40 to zero Othello defeated Sela 70 to seven yeah. Uh, Zilla <laughs> defeated Wall Loop forty-five to six, and Warden defeated Granger twenty-five to eight. Those are
1: some big scoring games.
3: Yeah, I saw I saw the Othello score, and I had to double check like three <laughs> different times. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that's not a mistake, right? Well, even the
1: Cusick one—that was sixty-four.
3: Yeah, sixty-four to thirty. Ach—they uh, they lost a couple uh, week or two ago, but in their wins, I mean, they've put up uh, ridiculous numbers. And they have another really young team as well. They graduate, they were a state champion last year, but they graduated a lot of seniors. So it's good to see that their head coach, Brandon Walsh, is kind of rallying the young team together. And they're putting together some nice wins already.
1: Yeah, 64 to 30. I mean, 30 is still a high score, too. (laughs) But then 64.
2: Is is that an eight man team? Yes, ACH is an eight man. I have have heard that that's that's something that happens with the
3: the small teams, the scores go a lot higher. Mm -hmm. There was a. There was an eight-man score a couple weeks ago. I don't remember where in the state it was, but it was like in the 90s to the 80s. Ooh. So yeah, that sounds was, like a basketball game. Yeah, yeah. If you had no context of when that takes place, you definitely think <laughs> basketball. Um, and then so we had another story uh, this week on Moses Lake girls soccer and their new head coach uh, Alicia uh, Alicia Overland. Uh, kind of, she took over the program. She's a former uh, soccer player at Washington State University. And she's a Moses Lake native, came back and was an assistant coach with the then Chiefs, now Mavericks. Um, And that's kind of something that she she mentioned. Like, I grew up here as a Chief, and I want to come back to the program as a Maverick and now kind of make that change. And she's really instilling some cool things. She's kind of – one of her big focuses is team chemistry. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, one of the cool things they do is they wear – paint uh, they have like handprints and kind of dots oh. on their face mm. you can see in some of the photos from the game it's something that uh, I was talking to one of the players and she said it's just it's a fun thing to do um, it kind of t- what they'll do, typically do is maroon and gold for the team's colors mm-hmm. um, but uh, they'll also have it combined with the theme of the night so like mm. on Tuesday night it was a uh, neon
1: so yeah, you non- let
3: a neon paint on which is a cool thing to see I had never seen that before well, but but put a bunch opponent off stride too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's one of the things that they were saying. A bit of an intimidation factor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little strike bit of strike fear into their arch of their enemies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: A little bit of morale too, because yeah. you do it before the games. So mm. You're kind of like hyping each other up while you're painting. Definitely. Yeah. And then like just the bonding of the team in
3: general. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then going into this weekend's games, uh, on the Gridiron, ACH is traveling to Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh Afred is at home versus Kashmir. Moses Lake is hosting Wenatchee. Othello's traveling to Grandview, Quincy's traveling to Cascade, Royal is at home versus Waluke, Soap Lake's traveling to Waterville-Mansfield, Warden's traveling to Riverview, and uh, the, all those games are tonight, Friday. All those games kick off at 7. And, then and, and you're going to be at all of them, aren't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. we'll, we'll see if uh, my like cloning thing is going uh, get like, the road by then. Um, But I'm hoping so. (laughs) And then uh, for tomorrow, our only Saturday game this week is Lynn Ritzville is traveling to Northwest Christian, and that game's kicking off at 1 p.m. Wow. Yeah, and then some other games uh, throughout tonight and Saturday. Uh, MLCA CCS Boys Soccer is traveling to St. George's tonight at 4 p.m. And then on Saturday, ACH Volleyball is traveling to Lake Roosevelt at 2.30. Afraid of Girls Soccer is traveling to Grandview at noon. Moses Lake Girls Soccer is traveling to Anachie at 1. Othello Girls Soccer is traveling to Sela at noon. Quincy Volleyball is at home versus Mapton at 11 a.m. So Blake Volleyball is traveling to Entiette at 11.30. And Wilson Creek Volleyball is at home versus Riverside Christian at 2. So we got a lot of exciting games this weekend. And uh, uh, as always, we're going to have our kind of weekly score recap uh, in the paper. So feel free to check that out. And then we'll also have team records in there as well.
0: Great. Well, thank you, That's Anne. That's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. And thank you, everybody. The Studio Basin Podcast is produced by the Columbia Basin Herald, a local newspaper serving Grant and Adams counties in Washington State. Our publisher is Clint Schroeder, and our regional general manager is Bob Richardson. Our managing editor is Rob Miller, and our reporting staff consists of senior reporter Charles Featherstone, senior reporter Cheryl Schweitzer, staff writer and paginator Joel Martin, staff writer Rebecca Pettingill, and sports reporter Ian Vavona. I'd also like to thank Mallory Titball for joining <laughs> us today. Um, thank you, anytime. Mallory.
1: Have me time. <laughs> I but love this stuff. <laughs>
0: The Columbia Basin Herald is published five days a week in print and online. The paper's website is www.columbiabasinherald.com. To provide feedback on the paper or the podcast, please email us at editor at Herald.com. Thank you for listening. Have a good week and go see a local football.